Disruptors and curious minds, welcome to another episode of Thinking on Paper. My name is Jeremy Gilbertson. I'm joined with my esteemed co-host and a few special guests today. But first, Mark Fielding, how are you, sir, in the French Alps? What's happening? I'm I'm excellent as always. The the French Alps is now quite slowness. Um, just it's been a great week for me on a writing front. I've done no snowboarding, lots of writing. One of the things that you'll like this week, Jeremy, is I've been doing some ghost writing um, about virtual events, kind of virtual worlds, the metaverse, how these worlds are going to change marketing. And as you know, I'm a marketing expert. I know everything about marketing. Um, but I've been writing, yeah, ghost writing from the perspective of other people, trying to articulate other people's arguments, writing from their viewpoint, but it, using my logic. It's, it's, been, it's been interesting. I love writing, writing from a change of perspective is, is, is super fun. And it puts you in a, there's a little bit of empathy that kind of spins up too, doesn't it? To understand the other side and try to get all surrounding perspectives in, in one topic, I think is great. We'll look forward to yeah. share some of that stuff. Uh, I want to see well, it. It's, in, uh, yeah. it's, well, it's probably an interesting question to, that we could use, ask Zach and Anthony, because when you agree with what they're saying, it's, it's easy to, to write. When you don't agree with what you're trying to say, you don't write. And it kind of, I was thinking about like killing your darlings when you're creating characters. I mean, you have to create these characters that are, they can't all be you. You know, you have to disagree. You have to hate them. You have to dislike them. And so kind of writing from their viewpoint, I mean, it's, it's, I guess that's part of what makes good writers. But um, how about you, Jeremy? How's your week been? It's been a good one. It's been a good one. I've done a lot of uh, a lot of freeform writing lately. I've had a lot of things that I wanted, and we you know we'll g- we get into this a lot. But you know, using writing as a tool for processing what the heck is going on with yourself, but with your work and with all of that stuff. So I've had these really uh, really cool ideas just kind of swirling around with it with a few things that I'm building uh, in in you know kind of the tech world just trying to sense make you know writing is sense making too so it's uh it's yeah. it's been good for me nothing nothing uh specific to report on but the pencil is moving from left to right on the page my friend good all right so who did tell us who we have here mark give us a little background let's introduce our friends here yeah so a uh, uh, new ground for us as well two guests so as some of our viewers might know i've been writing about film three for a while now and Every time I research a project, every time I go on Twitter, um, Zach's name comes up, the Hidden Ones project comes up. It's always mentioned. The, com- the community on Twitter always voices their support. So I thought that they'd be great to have on the, on the, on the podcast. Um, Zach is, well, I'll let them introduce themselves, but Zach is a creative director. Um, he's the leader of the Hidden Ones project. Anthony is the creative director. He does business development, I think, um, on Hidden Ones. I'll let them introduce themselves, though. Awesome. Oh, yeah, no, no, actually, no, sorry, I forgot to add something. So what particularly intrigued me was that Zach and Anthony in the Hidden Ones project are responsible for the first ever movie as an NFT. And that is a something I think that we should dig into. Good place to start. Well, Zach, why don't we why don't we throw it over to you first and uh, as an intro, and then we'll pass it to Anthony. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, thanks for having us on, guys. Um, you know, I always love going on uh, podcasts and you know meeting new people and talking shop. Uh, yeah, so I'm Zach. Um, uh, me and Anthony are more like co- co-founders of Hidden Ones. I mean, we've been uh, working on this project for two years more, if you count the feature film that kind of uh, sprung it off, which is the one you referenced. 
Um, but yeah, I'm a film director. Um, I've got a background in software product design as well. So I'm kind of marrying those two with hidden ones. Um, and yeah, we just, we just really love, uh, you know, trying to figure out new ways to, to use web three for, um, the benefit of filmmakers and creators with this project. So I'll kick it over to Anthony. Yeah. Yeah. And my background's in producing and, and making media and getting that stuff off the ground. And yeah, it's been, it's been a labor of love for a really long time. And I feel like recently with hidden ones, we're starting to get a lot of traction, which is really exciting. So I always like to I always like to go back to kind of initial spark or catalyst for all of this stuff. So obviously you guys have been doing doing film work prior to this whole web three thing. What was the initial like, wait a minute, I might want to read a little bit more about this web three tech, this thing. Like tell me about that catalyst first and then we'll dive in from there. Anthony, you're really good at telling this story. So sure. Oh god. <laughs> all right. So um yeah, I mean, you know, I think a lot of people in the beginning of 2021, the end of 2020, were starting to see what was being talked about online. There's a lot of this Web3 stuff, and it was like, what's going on? What's an NFT? What is what is all this? Oh, crypto. Um, that's exciting. So one of the things that we deal with in our universe here at Hidden Ones are uh, cryptids. And so those are things like Sasquatch uh, or Bigfoot, um, Yeti, Mothman, uh, and those are known as cryptids. And so, honestly, it's just, it's super stupid, but it's just as simple as the wordplay of like crypto cryptid. Uh, you know, there's like there being some sort of alignment there, and it goes back to even um, when we were talking about um, producing the movie back in 2018, and eventually we made the movie in 2019. But when we we're in those pre-production talks, we we're like, hmm, maybe there's like a cool way we could like take in cryptocurrency or something as we distribute the film because there's just this kind of sweet wordplay to the whole thing. So it's really not complicated. I wish it was a lot more sexy than just that, but that's that's what it is. <laughs> so it started as a kind of traditional filmmaking project. It, 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 there was no blockchain Web3 at, at the, the genesis of the project. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, really specifically what brought us to NFTs in particular uh, with this film was that we were kind of out of options for distribution. You know, um, it's, it's a small, low-budget film, completely, you know, self-financed out of our own pockets. And, uh, you know, we, we played a couple of festivals. We won a couple, one award. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, we were in talks with some distributors and sales agents, but, um, you know, it didn't, n- none of the deals seemed really... Uh, uh, overly beneficial to us. So um, that was at the exact moment where, uh, you know, the, the, the NFT space was kind of exploding with the people sale and everything. So we kind of returned to that, that little piece of wordplay. And we're like, what if like there, there's no one doing, um, uh, you know, film for NFTs that we knew of Jordan Bain was around at the same time um, on clubhouse founding the film three squad. But, um, we were like, there, there has to be something that we could do here. So that, that was kind of the impetus of, uh, you know, um, releasing the movie as an NFT in the first place. Cause we were, we were kind of out of options as independent filmmakers. Yeah, so so like, we got nothing to lose. Yeah. Yeah. So the first project ended up being this kind of one of one, someone, someone buys the film outright and, you know, talk to me about what the, I know you have an ongoing relationship actually, uh, and it's an it's an anonymous there there's it's an anonymous relationship right but there's still some back and forth between you guys moving to the next project so what what was the one of one uh, like what were the ownership parameters is it full IP ownership that that this particular individual has of the film now or or tell me about that 
Yeah, so it, what we kind of think of the NFT as is um, the film is fine art. So we've got um, this beautifully crafted one-of-one one physical edition that's connected to the token, and it's got like a RFID chip in it. So like it's really like as deep as it can be uh, in its relationship to the NFT itself. So um, uh, being that the the collector is anonymous, they still haven't claimed it. I could even bust it out to my closet right there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, in terms of in terms of uh, this NFT as like a distribution mechanism, um, there's no IP rights given to the collector. It's strictly it's like when you buy a painting, you know, it's like you don't own the reproduction rights to that painting. The artist still, um, you know, uh, it keeps those, but you own it as a as a piece of fine art. So um, what we're hoping is that uh, the more we're able to disseminate this film out into the world. Um, and make it hopefully a meme, something resembling like a cult classic that uh, increases the resale value potentially of uh, the one of one NFT itself. Got it. Got it. And this cryptid thing. So I, I, I'm kind of a rookie. You know, I know I know Sasquatch, Bigfoot, Mothman, but I didn't know that there was a category that all of these uh, all of these beings kind of lived in. So how did how did you guys get? Like excited about that particular niche of uh, of storytelling. Wow, yeah, it's a really and it's funny. I think both Zach and I uh, have an affinity for folklore, and I think that there's something about cryptids that are sort of a contemporary uh, of that. So, you know, it covers the gambit of everything from like close encounters with aliens to you know being in the forest and trying to take a picture of Sasquatch and. I think it's just about mystery, right? Like I think at the core of it, these are just manifestations of of, of mystery that uh, pull you in and get you to appreciate kind of the greater mysteries of life. And I think that from a storytelling perspective, they're really great figureheads to explore because um, like, for example, in our feature film, the hidden, uh, He Who Lives in Hidden Lakes, our central figure is the hidden man. And this is Zach's uh, proprietary cryptid, uh, which is the suburban sort of trash uh, cryptid who lives in the in the forest just outside this town, and uh, you know it, there are so many questions as to who the hidden man really is, and the story is told from a village voice perspective in the same way that like we all sort of engage with these conversations of like is Bigfoot real and all those kinds of things. It's really more about the community aspect of it and, and people coming together and the phenomenon of what happens when people engage in a collective mystery. So like I have a proprietary cryptid too, it's called the vampire firm. Right. And it's like, you, you can't take a picture of it physically uh, because when you do, it disappears on every, on every image. You can't take a video of it because it's not there, but when you're with it in person, uh, you can see it, you can feel it, you can touch it. But for some reason, it doesn't, media isn't allowed to sort of like engage with it. And it's like, oh, what does that mystery mean to this like world that we live in? So we like to play in that field and like, we like to, yeah, just ask the question and and hopefully, you know, get some interesting answers out of it. The, va- the vampire fern thing is interesting too, from just a, you know, a presence perspective, right? We're all tied to, you know, devices and we're like, you know, we're trying to document, document our, our days and make them really interesting. And it's like, well, Hey, this thing you can't really see unless you're there with it, which is, right. you know, that's interesting social commentary. I think. Yeah. Well, and also yeah. like the community, think about it this way too. It's like the community still exists around it. It doesn't need to be a thing you can see. I think that that's an important like 
factor too when you're talking about cryptids. It's like, you know, it, 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 it's like I said before, it really is just about people coming together. And I think it, it ended, it's ended up being kind of an interesting metaphor for all this Web3 stuff in some ways too. Uh, you know, there's a lot of like, well, does it have any value? Does it mean anything? Uh, and it's like, hmm, well, a bunch of people come together and, and participate in the meaning of it. I think that's the thing that makes the meaning. Yeah. It's a very, I, I was, I grew up, I was a big fan of, of the X-Files in my teens. And I, I, I've watched the, um, the, the Vampire of the Ferns and I watched the trailer to him Lake that, that I don't know if I'm right, but there's a lot of references to cult classics. There's a lot of references to older movies. And so you're obviously fans of the genre. And I wonder because Web3 is pretty niche and cryptids and mystery and that's niche as well. So you're kind of operating niche within niche, like a Russian doll of niche. And (laughs) I guess that plays into your favor with the community because the people who are interested in Hidden Ones are real fans and they're really passionate about it. But then on the other hand, obviously it's a very small amount of people who might be interested in it. Like how, how do you, I mean, people often talk about community in Web3 and community, the NFT community. How do you juggle those two kind of, not extremes, but those two counterback weights? How do you think about it? That's a really good question. Um, and And it's on the nose, you know, I mean, that's really kind of, uh, you know, our, our secret sauce, our secret weapon, right? Because uh, we've struggled a lot in the past with with building community um, and getting people even interested in the project in the first place, because uh, we're artists, you know, we're, we're, we're producers, we're not necessarily community folks, although we've done a lot of skill set learning, and we've gotten a lot of help with that, especially uh, this year, um, to really kind of kick things into gear. But um, I think I think when we're thinking about like intellectual property, and um, you know the, the where things are going. I think that uh, this niche isn't really something that's been done quite at the level that we're doing it outside of like X Files or Twin Peaks or, or Stranger Things. These kinds of things that we're referencing, like the the cryptid thing, hasn't really been done in in uh, almost like a mainstream capacity uh, specifically. So that is like that's kind of like our far off target. That's our like stretch goal is to be the brand for cryptids and really like bring this concept that is niche and not a lot of people think of, but everyone knows, like everyone knows about Bigfoot. Right. So it's, and it's a, a CCO, you know, a public domain property. No one owns Bigfoot. No one owns Mothman and they have this sort of character recognition. So I think it's our job to sort of cinch them all up under, under a banner and make them, you know, like, uh, like, you know, how Disney has sort of owned like Aladdin and, and Pocahontas and all these public domain stories. Um, that's kind of our goal with it is to kind of bring the niche uh, into an expanded audience. And how we do that is drilling into um, the niche uh, of it and, and just creating a, a space for people who love this kind of stuff to be engaged with it and um, uh, just, you know, tell the stories they want to tell within it and, and uh, you know, participate in the community. Makes That's sense. Awesome. Yeah, you. So, um, so you guys were early builders in this in this world. Obviously, you know that. Uh, you know, as Mark said, that there, you guys were the first NFT film that that, that kind of came out. So, I'm curious. Over the last few years, as you watched the space evolve, as you did your initial test, because everything about this to me, this community and emerging tech in general is about test, iteration, expand, 
test iteration, pivot, like the whole nine yards. So what have you guys learned from the first test and what, what are you taking into the next iteration of this? Wow. Uh, where do we begin? <laughs> I think. But yeah, if we just yeah. reference back just before this call, like Anthony and Zach were saying that their, their journey is one of failure, but obviously you learn from failure. The more failures have, the more you learn. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, it's funny because we've ridden so many metas in this, like, you know, NFT space, like, oh, the 10K collectible, you got to get your 10 to 10K collectible in the world. And we're like, okay, cool. So let's do that. Uh, and then we did. And then, you know, originally we had it for sale and it just like, you know, it didn't do well, <laughs> it didn't sell out at all. And um, we were like, man, like what happened? We like made really cool art. Like what, what's going on? Um, and we had to really look at ourselves and be like, oh, you know, we've been really, um, like self-minded and, and ego driven. And I think there was so much hype, you know, this original meta of NFTs as being these sort of like things that could rescue you in some way and save you from the, like the, 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 you know, the shadowy depths of capitalism. Somehow. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was really exciting that like, oh yeah, we could pop off and make a bunch of money and then you go use that and fund the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Um, and then being confronted that we weren't going to be one of these, you know, epiphany projects, you know, like we, you know, I kind of joke, I have this phrase uh, of, called like the epiphany complex of just like being there and like waiting and believing that like, you know, it's something great is going to happen, even though, you know, maybe you aren't actually doing the proper business things and building the proper machinery and framework to, you know, build a sustainable uh, life. And so that hit, we fell hard on our faces in, in that regard. Um, but then we realized that, oh, well, now we still have this amazing asset. You know, we have this 10K collection still. We have our feature film. We have, um, you know, Zach and I are both really, uh, like we both really like to make things. And so we use Hidden Ones as an umbrella um, to, to, to put out stuff that we love to make. And now we've invited community into that process as well. Um, and our 10K, when we decided to make it a free mint, and it was like, Oh yeah. Like four hours later, it was like completely like minted out and was like, okay, cool. So that worked. What is this really all about? And it's like, Oh, you know, this is really about building community and, and being more sort of outwardly focused and, and really trying to solve a problem for other people and a problem that is relevant to us and trying to do that in our work of like, well, if we're a business, what, what are we actually serving here? What are we actually trying to do to help other people and what problems are we genuinely trying to solve? And, and for us now, you know, it's got us to this place where we're, we know we're a growing team. Uh, we're taking on more advisors. We're having really, you know, high level conversations about scaling the project because we really feel like we finally figured out the equation and the actual business model around this stuff. And that's really what the thing, um, that was really the thing that all of these little um, failures really taught us is like, oh, what variables do we need in that equation and, and how do they fit together? And one of the really exciting things now, and I, you know, I can put it just as simply as this is that like hidden ones is trying to build a, a platform where, where creators can find their fandoms and vice versa. It's just as simple as that. It's, it's just a hub now, where if you're into, you know, cryptids and high strange storytelling, if you love X files, twin peaks, things like stranger things, um, this is where you will come 
um, to engage that work. You know, we're, we're building the distribution network and that's really what it's about. And we're trying to solve that problem for creatives who don't have that and they want a, a way to license maybe the brand so they can get access to um, that entire distribution chain instead of it being token, instead of it being gated by like Hollywood. It's like, here's your access point. Yeah, I think I think it's really interesting. It's actually starting to spark some questions in the chat. So, Sean, thanks for your thanks for your comment and your question. This is probably a good segue for you know how this is evolving into this guild structure, DAO structure. So maybe we could start with what is the uh, and here I'm gonna you know, we're gonna have the bell sound here, Mark. But the uh, uh, bi-directional value exchange, right? So what's happening between you and your audience that was once traditionally broadcast? but is now coming from both sides, right? So maybe let's talk about that a little bit. I think that's where Sean's question was headed. Yeah, so I mean, that what that is for us is uh, the free exchange of IP in a decentralized and permissionless manner. So uh, the impetus behind Hidden Ones as sort of a creative platform and, and distribution network like Anthony is talking about is that we, we took a look at all of this content that we've made and continue to make uh, to this day um, and into the future. We say there's so much intellectual property here. There's so much potentially beloved characters and takes on existing characters like Bigfoot, Mothman, things like this. Um, and the more that we work uh, as a business to imbue value into uh, that intellectual property and imbue an audience into it, um, the more valuable it then becomes for other filmmakers, other creators, writers, artists to want to use that IP and uh, uh, tap into the audience that's been built in there. Um, and you see it happen all the time with, with IPs like Star Wars, where people create fan art, they do fan films to try to elevate their creative process. Um, and the way it works right now is uh, Disney, if you start making money from it, or if that's even your ambition in the first place, They'll hit you with a with a takedown notice, and they say, "No, we need to protect our brand, um, and you know this is unsanctioned." For us, it's um, it's a matter of saying, "Oh, you made this awesome thing. Let's help you distribute it. Let's help you uh, get it to its audience, and um, in exchange, we'll take any new IP that you've created. We can then create with that, and so can the rest of the community." So the, the end goal here is not only supplying the intellectual property audience and distribution tools under the Hidden Ones brand for creators, it's also creating this sort of decentralized story world. Because again, I feel like uh, cryptids and this subject matter in particular are uniquely positioned to find success in that because you you know it's they're, they're decentralized myths already. Um, and it, it, for us, the brand doesn't need to be protected in, in quite a, a way where, you know, Luke Skywalker needs to behave in this particular way. There could be multiple takes on Bigfoot or, or Mothman or any of these characters. Um, and uh, it could still be a cohesive uh, brand. It's almost like, almost like we're the publisher and also uh, the distributor and also the intellectual property. So that's kind of where our conception of hidden ones as an uh, IP as a platform is the buzzword we're calling it comes from. Got it. Nice. Got it. Um, so one follow-up question. So you guys mentioned the, the early pivot. So we were doing the, you know, following along with the market. You did the, you did the, uh, the one of one, 10,000 PFPs, push it out there. It didn't, it didn't really land. 
Then you made the pivot and said, hey, we want to build a community. The best way to build a community is to make this free to mint. If you're excited about this niche, this niche of like storytelling and cryptids and all of that, come on in and hang out. So, all right, let's talk about the moment after you saw 10,000 people come into your community that were excited about that. How do you keep them excited? Um, content. Yeah. You said <laughs> we have like an insane amount, like Anthony touched on this, but we're just all like always producing. We, we're right now we have a free mint going on. That's an open edition and it's uh it's, it's a podcast. It's a collectible podcast mm -hmm. and AI has really supercharged our ability to, you know, blow this out of the water uh, in terms of our kit, our capacity to produce content too. I mean, we've got an AI illustrated comic book coming out that I put together in like a month. Um, it's just crazy. And then, um, you know, the oh, other side. AI, AI, AI is not being podcast hosts, is it yet? Can't do that, can it? <laughs> it's not It's not presenting not the podcast. We, we've got, Mark, we've got like a two-month runway before we're done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> enjoy it. Enjoy it. It's going to be <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, one one follow-up one follow-up question. This might be a cool segue too. So th thanks for the answer yeah. to that one question. It's all about story and people are excited about this story that can evolve yeah. and, and people can feed, take the IP, create new storylines, create some new piece of IP. And I saw the whole sub-licensing thing, which I think is interesting, meaning if yeah. I understand this correctly, I, I grab a piece of the IP, I'm part of the community and I create a story and Mark sees my story and he's like, wow, that's really cool. I could take that story and make my own story. So a piece of it stays with me, a piece of it stays with Mark and the new creation, a piece of it goes back to the DAO, right? Is that kind of how the, the financial piece? Because I think Jenny in the chat uh, had uh, had some information on how, do the crea how does the money flow back to the creators? Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, you pretty much got the nail on the head there. And the thing is, with with uh, let's say that that um, you know you create a new, completely new character, new story, um, you know, what have you. Your your uh, ability to license that out to uh, you know everyone else in the community through hidden ones is completely opt in, and it's completely on your terms. Um, so we're not forcing anyone to uh, you know make their their creation. Um, a canonized hidden ones creation is, which is what we call it when you sub license through the brand. Um, and, and the value prop for that is, um, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll collect a, a royalty passively on any, uh, any money that people make from a creation that uses your creation, if that makes sense. Um, so, you know, if you happen to create the next Mickey mouse or the hidden ones, Mickey mouse, whatever. Um, and, you're allowing other people to sub-license it as a part of the Hidden Ones brand. Um, you could have 10 different, you know, feature films or graphic novels or whatever, all out there, all making money, perhaps even produced by studios. Um, and each one of those is, uh, you know, you're getting a cut of that completely passively. Um, and your own ability to create with your intellectual property, because you still own it, is unchanged. So, um, you know, what we've hoped to build here is kind of an engine for discovery of um, these new myths and yeah. an engine for uh, everyone in the storytelling network to be bought into each person's success. Yeah. And I mean, if we, if we put our like studio execs hat, exec hat on as well, it's a development pipeline, right? Like if we, if, if certain ideas now are 
starting to take place in the universe. And, you know, the, we have, well, you know, the treasury fund is a big part of our model. It's like, great. We love that idea. Let's hone in on it a little bit more. Let's amplify it. The community loves this. So what would it be like if we took, you know, the comic book that the community loves and we actually turned that into a television series? Um, you know, like the, the, the idea now that like the community is also a part of the studio infrastructure. Like we look a lot at the, the model of, like, you know, some of the biggest Twitch streamers right now or the biggest YouTubers and these like content creator models where they have these really, really engaged relationships with their community. You know, I, I follow a lot of people on Twitch myself and, um, you know, put them up in the corner of my, my, my computer screen and it feels like I don't need to talk to them, but it's nice. I'm like hanging out. I have like a little social thing going on, whatever. Um, it's like a comfort it, it, blanket, a Twitch comfort blanket almost. Yeah, it, exactly. <laughs> and like well, one of the things that we want with Hidden Ones is to have some Twitch streamers that are a part of our universe that are like here to like, you know, be a part of the community and, and to have them genuinely want to participate in what we're doing with Hidden Ones. And like in, a per, in our sort of broad scope view of the metaverse, right? Hidden Ones is, is, the, is just the, is this home for this supernatural sort of storytelling, right? We want other people and other like, you know, creators to, to go out and build out their own infrastructure so I can go to their place and engage with, you know, uh, let's say like, you know, more traditional indie like narrative storytelling and be like, cool, this is like the framework for that. And now I can go there and do that. Like it, the whole idea, I think, with Web3 is empowering the individual to take their stuff and own all of it and then go with it wherever they want to go. And I think that's the concept of what the metaverse to me really really is about it's like oh all these hubs are being created now i can enter this building and have access to everything and i can take that with me and go elsewhere with it as opposed to all of it being owned by a singular entity so we're you know we're, pre we're prepping for a future that is driven uh by that mentality and also with ai like zach you know talks a lot about this where there's going to be a need for some sort of curatorial entities that are like helping you kind of like uh, engage with your AI entertainment experience. Like if you're really in the future and however far away this is going to be able to type in a prompt and see whatever you want to see in whatever form that ends up taking. And maybe it's, you know, a bit uncanny Valley, but like, if you're still able to do that and engage in that form of, of entertainment, um, like where can you go to trust that those experiences are actually going to be worthwhile? And so we're factoring that into what we're building as well. And, you know, he spoke to some of this AI um, element as well. And that's a huge part of what we're thinking. So, yeah, um, we're just trying to do as much as we possibly can. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think one of the big things too for me, at least in the in the things that I hear from our community, that thinking on paper community is, you know, there there things resonate from a from a philosophical perspective. Like, here's what we're trying to do: we're opening up storytelling, we're having community feed in, we're having these secondary spinoffs, these sub licenses, like. But they also get really excited about when there's like, oh, here's a tangible piece of that. And I know you guys are, I know you guys are just moving into this, but have you guys had any um, crowdsourced stories that have come in that are super exciting? And, and a follow-up, have you had any sub-license of those crowd stories start to happen yet? We're getting into this uh, right now. And actually just this year, we 
um, did this community in- initiative, uh, which is a lore contest. And um, the parameters were make uh, a, a, a brief hidden ones myth, use AI to illustrate it uh, optionally or draw your own you know, version of it. Um, and then at the end of it, all of the stories that you write will become hidden ones canon. So we had uh, 20 new stories uh, that are hidden ones myths, um, all created by the community. And there's some in, like incredible storytelling in there and incredible art. Um, uh, I, I wish I, I could bring up like examples of, of what people created because it's, they're so crazy. They're, they're just the originality and uh, the passion that you can feel from these creators and um, a big thing that we noticed coming out of it was that uh, people are thankful to have this kind of platform and to feel like they're not storytelling in a vacuum. They're doing it under the shared brand that gets stronger the more you use it and the more you tell st- stories under it. People are so thankful to have this sort of creative outlet that we're, even in these early stages, already supplying to them. And um, we took it up to a community vote at the end of it when we had all these these new stories. And we said, okay, uh, the top voted entry will get developed into a new Hidden One short film. And the top five entries will be episodes in our in our uh, podcast that uh, we just dropped the, the, the last, uh, the previous episode yesterday. Um, so this is, speaks to the development pipeline aspect of it that Anthony was talking about, where we're taking all these create community created stories. We're taking uh, the data points um, as far as which stories resonate the most. And then we're taking those stories and expanding them into new IP alongside the creators. And all of this isn't quite uh, fitting into the uh, infrastructure that we've uh, laid out quite yet, just because we haven't launched the DAO infrastructure yet. But um the community and uh, especially the winning stories, uh, th- those creators are tapped into like what, what we want to do. And uh, there's already been some interest um, as far as folks wanting to sub-license out their stories under Hidden One. So it's been a resounding set success already, like pre-launch even of any of this infrastructure. I like the... Um... I like the, I love the idea. And one of the things as a, as a creator myself, like I, I write fan fiction and because I like doing it. I don't want money. I don't do it for the money. I mean, one of the questions is like, how do creators make money? And obviously that's an incredibly valid question, but that's not the only question. And if you're designing, creating, building something where I can just go and write bollocks about Sasquatch because like, that's fun and it's creative. And I, I get, I'm, my payment is my creativity in a way. And I know that's a bit cheesy, but that that is powerful. I mean, if you look at, I don't want to just talk about AI all, all the time, but it appears that we can't escape it all of the ai imagery that we don't see it because people are just doing it because it's fun because it's creative because they like it because they're experimenting and i think that kind of giving people a community and the spark i mean i guess you're giving a lot of people creative people or non-creative people the spark to create something which is powerful reward in itself yeah, I mean, I think that's when we realized that that's really what it was about, then the, it changed everything. You know, the second we were like, how can we just make this more fun for people? Like we have a mid-journey bot in our Discord so people can go in and do commute. Like you can see in real time what people are trying to make. We'll go in there and do our creations. You know, we do a lot of, 
you know, we're, we're, we're very active on Twitter. Um, follow us at hidden mythos. That's our, that's our handle. That's a great way to engage with us. We're open to any and all DMS you have to throw our way. Um, we're, we're, we're really here to engage the community and we just want to try to find ways to make it more fun. Like we were talking about a, a new idea like yesterday and I was looking at, you know, I won't get too into the weeds here, but I was looking at pixel art and I'm like, this is, this would be great. Like, what if we like, you know, through something like this at the community somehow, like there's just so many different layers of like engagement that you can do and, and introduce like fun for people. And then to, to throw like rewards at the end of that, that are involved in this sort of, um, the model for us, which is like our, our role right now and the way that we see it moving forward is to amplify what's in here. Um, like, yes, you know, we, we're, we're obviously creators. We're, we're making our own things, but like, it's, it's a lot more exciting when we can, we can identify something that is like truly amazing and be like, let's get this thing off the ground. Like, what, what can we do to support this? And then we can show people like, Hey, look what we look, what we're able to do like in this community, look what we're able to provide, look what service we're able to provide people. Um, and then hopefully, you know, like as we're talking with investors, be like, Hey, we figured out the equation. We're here to scale now. Like what, what can we do to like bring this to more and more people? Awesome. Uh, tell me about story blocks. I was reading a little bit about that in your, in your white paper, I guess the way I ingested it was like, it's like almost like a story starter kit in a way to keep this little through line, right? Because all of these things that come in, how do you man? I'm, there's like nine questions in this. Let's start with the story blocks first and I'll expand on it. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, the, the, the impetus of that is just having like guidelines as far as like what is and what isn't a, a hidden ones creation. And we want those to be as broad as we possibly can uh, while still maintaining some cohesiveness uh, for the hidden ones banner, because especially so early on as we are in this uh, in this business, it's important to like carve out a moat in our brand. You know, it's it's important for audiences, general audiences not even folks who are, you know, looking to create with us. Um, it's important for them to know like, okay, this is the hidden ones brand. This is what I'm getting into when I'm engaging with a piece of their content, regardless if it was made by us or if it was made by the community. So that's kind of the impetus behind um, having this sort of story stack, like almost you would, you would, uh, you would with a development stack if you're building a software product. Um, it's, it's to provide some, some guidelines and some goalposts. Um, and, and really what we took it from was, uh, kind of like the feature film that we made in Anthony's short film. Um, both of those are proprietary cryptos that we made ourselves. And there's some overlap in terms of the, uh, thematic storytelling concepts. And, you know, that, that, that was, uh, you know, kind of an obvious play for us. It's like, what is hidden ones? What is a hidden one story? We already have a cup. Let's see what the through lines between those two are and then set those out for, uh, the community to sort of use as a guide. What was the, what, that's amazing. What, what was the one most apparent one that came out to you guys when you were building this matrix, so to speak? I mean, outside of cryptids. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Outside would, of it, it needs to be a cryptid, but like, like what's the, what's the next one down? I would say, I don't know, maybe Anthony, you differ. Um, and we could talk about that, but I would say it's like, it's, it's a sense of mystery. Um, and second, secondarily, like that sense of communal storytelling within the myths themselves. Um, but I, I mean, yeah, go ahead. 
sorry, like, sorry to interrupt there, but just to add on to that. Um, so the, the whole of this conversation, I've been thinking about obviously what you're saying, but also fairy tales. And uh, like I've, I've done, I'm very interested in fairy tales and I know they're not cryptids, but I wonder if that they're connected. It's that myth. It's a storytelling. It's communal storytelling. It's kind of passing on a different story perhaps to what the, the, the myths are passing on. I'm not sure, but does it fit into that to, to hidden ones at all or into I, that? You know, think let's talk, let's just take little red riding hood, right? That you have a talking wolf in that story. I, you know, I don't think there more much more needs to be said. There's there's a there's a hidden ones version of that story, right? Like, Smells like a cryptid. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You know, okay. Like, so so Little Red Riding Hood is a cryptid, or the wolf. Well, is a cryptid. I think I think there's a take, right? Like I think when you become familiar with the hidden ones world, there's a there's a way to take that story, right? A, de- a decentralized public domain story, in the same way that Disney has its own version of Snow White, for example, or whatever. Like there's a little red riding hood version where, you know, there maybe there's a little bit more of like a, you know, a, a sort of high strange vibe to what that what's going on there. So like, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the role of fairy tales. Right. And if you look at myths, and there's a reason why people still put up the, you know, the great Greek writers in their plays. It's like we want to revisit this in the modern day. Like, yes, it's the same source material. But the reason we're doing it again is because we want to have a better sense of today. And it's like, that's exactly the role that I think folklore and story tales, uh, um, fairy tales like play, um, which is another thing that it's sort of like a sub domain really of, of what we're talking about, I think. Fairy tales do my teaching for me to my kids. They're, like, <laughs> they're, my, they're, my, they're my morals, they're, they're the morals, they're the, 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 the way to think that that's what I use. Okay. That's what well, they're, they're there for, man. Yeah. yeah, well, they're all tied. We talk about this a lot we, in, in previous episodes, guys, but like just the archetypes and, and story framework that resonates with our biology and our psychology, you know, the voyage and return, the rebirth, comedy, tragedy, you know, hero's journey stuff. These are all like well-documented beats on journeys that resonate with our psychology, right? So, I mean, if we – fairy tales are, are written just for that. Hey, I need to tell my kid this thing. What's the pattern in the beat that will resonate most with with it? Right? There's a little yeah. bit of there's a little bit of math in storytelling, which is bonkers to me. I could, that that's a whole sideline. Well, it's um, funny too because you have like you know Carl Jung and basically like reverse engineered fairy tales to be like this is psychology. I think is really <laughs> yeah. you know hundred percent, hundred percent. What's your favorite fairy tale, Jeremy? My favorite fairy tale. Wow, that's a great question. Man, I, I have to think about it. Don't, 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 yeah, I haven't tapped into one lately, but I'll, 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 I'll let you know when it pops up. But hey, guys, one, did you have a thread you were going to go down, Mark? Fire, fire. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I did. And sorry, it's what, just, and I think we have, I know we have, like, we have Tom Gillespie in the chat here today, um, his alter ego. And one of the common threads that I think that Zach and Anthony have both demonstrated, that all of our guests have demonstrated to a certain degree about Web3, and I want to talk about Web3 panning out a little bit. So Zach is a, a filmmaker and in the old world, he's a filmmaker, but in web three, he's a filmmaker and he's this and he's this and he's this and he's this. And if you look at all of our guests, like we had a fashion designer who became like a music engineer, a, a, a marketing guru, and everyone seems to have multiple skill sets now or learning multiple skill sets. And then that kind of links to the DAO structure and this collaborative 
project building where they're obviously you can't be a filmmaker and like a marketing expert from the get-go so you use your DAOs and your community to do that and just panning out I've gone off on a bit of a tangent about web three and I know that AI plays comes into this so maybe AI is not going to take all our jobs because we're all going to have lots of jobs and it can't take all of our jobs or it can help us with certain parts of our jobs and I guess my question is have you noticed that kind of adaptive skill set you've had to learn new things and learn new skills and how do you think about it and am I right Jeremy to ask that question is that you're the you're the deep philosophy philosophical one that was a good question I'd love yeah I'm curious on the answer yeah I I think for us it's almost in reverse I mean Anthony and I are just like we just we're like puppy dogs, you know, it's like we find something new, some kind of new, you know, rabbit hole to go down. And it's like, we just, that's how, that's why we're here in the first place. Um, and then on top of that, you know, on top of this, I mean, like I, I, I worked for like 10 years as a, as a product designer in, in software for, for like HR and, uh, you know, uh, healthcare and things like this, in addition to being a filmmaker and, you know, Anthony has a whole background as well. Um, and then once we get into web three, then that is, that just explodes. And now we have to be, a marketer. We have to be a community builder. Um, we have to be founders. We're, you know, raising investment now, uh, for this thing. Um, you know, there's a tech element to it that we have to understand. Um, so it's, yeah, I mean, that that's totally mirrors our experience. Yeah. And in some ways too, it's like, uh, the hand has been forced. And so it's like, I don't think originally we were like super stoked about discord <laughs> at all. And then Same. it was like, there was, moment, there was a moment in early February, uh, of this past year where Zach and I were, you know, looking at each other like, Oh, this is actually awesome. Like this, this like makes everything possible. We have just been, you know, like we, we, we could have been thinking about it this way the entire time. And, and, you know, so there's, it, that's part of it too. It's like this, like it's driven. So there's an other aspects that are driven by necessity that then all of a sudden you turn around and be like, I was like kind of complaining this whole time. This is actually awesome. Like, it's like, Oh, what happened to just being a filmmaker? Um, it's like, well, if I was just a filmmaker, I'd be sitting and waiting for people to, to give me opportunities in a lot of ways. And I think that um, being interested in sort of these new modalities and thinking about like what new distribution networks um, not only have been created, but will be a part of the future and being, you know, in the foam of the wave there, I think is um, something that excites us. So it's like, it's totally worth that sort of like, ah, this is a drag sort of initial thing of like, like, why is the new world asking this of us? Uh, And then actually having it be something that is incredibly empowering because now, you know, the amount of times that like that people like ask Zach and I questions now about how any of this works from like a high level, uh, what is web three perspective, but also to like really minute sort of things of like, okay, like how do you, um, you know, how are you going about like, you know, everything that's in our white paper, how, what's the vision of actually tying all of this together and, and making this something that is really in service to a really deep pain point for so many people. I think there's a, like, we have this amazing thriving film community called film three, um, here in this space. And we have constant dialogue of how this whole machinery works. And it's been amazing to have these online salons where we can hop into a Twitter space. We can talk with you guys uh, live and people can listen in and actually like contribute 
something to the conversation on, on the side or they can ask a question. And it's just like, and it's just like scaling up all this knowledge now. And it's like, I don't know. I, I feel really grateful that, uh, that we get to be here doing this kind of stuff. Well, I, 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 I'm happy for you that you found your, uh, your discord, uh, aha moment. I'm still waiting for mine. Uh, and you know, it's a delicate dance for me, but uh, I know it has its purpose and I know it's a ama- an amazing way to kind of catalyze a community and keep them active and identify community members who have what I call a high level of give a shit about something. And then those people can be folded into the team and the team grows. A little. I think it's, I think it all makes sense, but sometimes it, it hurts my brain a little bit. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well guys, we're, we're uh, trying to be a little mindful of time. Uh, we're a little bit over, but I wanted to throw out some kind of closing thoughts just from my side and would love to go around the horn and hear what you guys have. But I think it's really interesting. The cryptid, the crowdsource myth, kind of thing you know you're in a village and you hear a story and uh the farmer's daughter on the far end tells the story and then jim who runs the general store has his perspective on the story and then you know john who you know cleans the mule yard you know saw something completely different right and this goes back to mark what you were saying earlier you're writing from different perspectives and having a whole more empathetic totality of what, of what's happening. I, I see that as a very interesting through line to what you guys are building because it's underneath this, this crowdsource myth and you guys are, are building a mechanic to capture and uh, assign ownership and re-ownership to, to that. So it's really interesting. And I'm also super excited that you have uh, that stories are coming in that you have inbound stuff. I mean, the theory and all of the stuff you have set up is great, but now that you're starting to have this interaction and you're going to, we're going to hopefully see some outputs in the, in the near future of, of that interaction, you guys, it sounds like you're doing it and it's, it is super cool. Yeah. I, I think that's a reflection of possibly the, the content material where I, I was just, I put out a tweet earlier about kind of what, what makes you weird when you're young make, can make you very successful when you're old or older. And I, I don't know if I'm, I'm, I'm wrong about this, but the people who liked those myths, who liked Bigfoot, who liked Sasquatch, who liked UFOs, I know that's not uh, in the canon, but that kind of fringe storytelling have gravitated towards NFT and Web3 because there's that, that fringe mentality, that kind of rebellion to the traditional norms of storytelling in this instance. And I think that lends itself very well, which is to the weirdos who are creating that in that canon. And my favorite fairy tale is Hansel and Gretel. Mark, what if you're weird when you're old and not young? What if you never got unweird? Is there any benefit to that? I'm just looking personally. <laughs> can you, can, um, I guess it's better to be weird than not weird. So if you're weird now and you weren't when you were young, you, you're, you've evolved. I feel good about that. Zach, Anthony, closing thoughts. What are you, what are you thinking? I'm, I'm happy to jump in. Um, you know, Jeremy, just speaking to that sort of village voice that you were talking about. Yeah. I mean, really what we're trying to do is, is, is sort of validate each, each and every one of those perspectives and saying, Hey, you actually do have a story to tell and it's worth something. Um, and we're really excited about the future and, of storytelling in general we're stoked that we get to be a part of whatever this next wave is and i'll i just have to say thank you for coming to come you know bringing us on and 
the enthusiasm and the vibes are great. And I'd love to, you know, keep talking with you guys and, and to be, uh, you know, catching up with what you guys are up to as well. So yeah, just really grateful and, and, and thankful. Thanks for having us on. Yeah. Likewise, nothing really to add there. Uh, we really appreciate it guys. It's been great talking.